Testify, the interview portion of Table Radio. My name is Anna Spray, and this month we are looking at our rooted value of sacrificial fellowship. I was fortunate to sit down with my friend Liz Snell, who works for Labrie Fellowship Canada and lives and works in community with the students that come there for a residential course of study. If you'd like to learn more about the work of Labrie, feel free to visit CanadianLabrie.org. That's Canadian. L-A-B-R-I dot O-R-G. Hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, table friends, here we are back again for another interview. And I'm so excited, Liz. I'm here with Liz Snell. So you listen to the intro, you would know that. Um, when I was thinking about this series and who I wanted to interview, you were number one on my list. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're just such a good conversationalist, and you just have so many thoughtful, interesting things to say. So, selfishly, <laughs> that's like my desire, so I know I'll have a good conversation. Well, don't oversell it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I always like to start our interviews with kind of going back to the beginning. This month, we're talking about sacrificial fellowship um, as part of our Rooted series, and um, I always like to go back to kind of people's origin story. Um, so I wanted to ask you first about your first experiences of Christian community and what was that like? Mm-hmm. Well, I grew up in a Christian family, so I guess you could say that's my very first yeah. experience of Christian community. Uh, and, 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 you know, one thing I, I've admired about my parents over the years is, uh, their willingness to welcome people into the house that other people might not necessarily do, um, some people who are unusual, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, and uh, and yeah, so I, I think that set an example to me as a very young child. Sometimes, you know, we had people at our dinner table that um, us kids are probably wondering, like, what were they doing there, or, you know, like, they seem strange to us, but um, my parents, yeah, had, a, had a, a real willingness to reach outside of their comfort zone and welcome people in, um, so even though sometimes it was uncomfortable for me as a child, not unsafe, just uncomfortable. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that, that that did provide an example for me um, of what community might look like, that it's not only the people that you find easy to hang out with. So did they ever sit you down and explain to you why they were doing that, or it was just there for you to see? Yeah, I think it was more just there for, for me to see. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't tons and tons of people, but there were a few people that they sort of kept tabs on um, and, and, and followed up with uh, and would, would have over, um, even though I, and I think I was also aware that it was challenging for them. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't um, yeah, that, that seemed clear to me too, but that it was um, important to them to, to care for people that way. So you sort of intuited that, and then do you find that you've sort of carried that through to your own life? I, I mean, I'll say more about that later too, but I, I, I hope that I, I hope that I am. I think it, that's a constant challenge for me, uh, in thinking that community is a place for me to feel comfortable and happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that is for, for probably for all of us, uh, just like hoping that we have the right combination of people that are fun and make us feel seen and valued and, um, 
and, and recognizing that that's not what community is about. <laughs> that it's not about just fulfilling your own. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's so interesting because that came up in my conversation with Andy um, and Jonathan last week that this idea of where are we going to get our needs fulfilled? Mm-hmm. And Andy had brought up, you know, we were talking about Philippians 2 and, and yeah. kind of the example of Jesus yeah. and saying that, like, that is where we go to to get all our needs filled. Mm-hmm. But you're right, we often place this expectation on community that, like, you are going to fulfill my emotional, physical, spiritual needs Mm -hmm. rather than looking to Jesus. Yeah, I I think that's a good point, and I've been thinking about that passage, too, as as I was thinking about your questions. Um, And I I would really say, like, for me, a preoccupation (laughs) as a person is to find a sense of belonging um, and being known and seen. And and I don't want to under underestimate or um, undermine the importance of that because I think that is a core human longing um, but yeah if too much of that gets placed on the community people always disappoint you <laughs> yeah yeah um, you're always going to be disappointed yeah and, and and so I think uh, we can talk more about this but having that secure sense of your identity and in Christ as you're pointing out um, is 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 the best place to come from when you're entering community yeah. um, and when I think back on my past experiences in community I think often it was this kind of restless like looking for a place to belong um where I would feel seen and I'm grateful to have some places I do feel that now but I I think that yeah no community is ever going to meet that perfectly yeah but God does reach out to us through the Christian community um but it's not it's not the only way and even with that it can become it can become an idol <laughs> So, so I think that is sometimes with things that we're afraid of becoming idle, you can also just choose to close yourself off from it because that's easier. And, and I've struggled with that as well thinking, okay, well then the easier thing is just not, not to take that risk. Yeah. Um, But that's not right either. Right. So there's like two points of extremes. Mm -hmm. You can either expect, as you say, like for community to be a, a sort of an idol and that is the thing that you worship and go to mm-hmm. or you can so close yourself off from it that you don't engage with people at all right right and even even with the example of my parents you know I I, I remember one person saying to me recently um, I don't remember who it was they were talking about but someone they knew who uh, only really liked to be friends with people that she considered kind of like lower than herself what? Um, because it well to, to be helping to always be helping oh, someone you know because she wanted to be in place of like I have something yeah. to give you and I don't and also like I'm not indebted to those people so so wow. I think that's another extreme that we can wow. go to so so we want to be sacrificial but sometimes we don't want to receive and that's hard for us you know it's so interesting I was just talking about this with a friend the other day because they were going through something and they're typically that person who is always helping and but in this case, they were in a place of, of kind of crisis and weakness, and they had to receive help, and that was a real struggle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for them. And she was kind of saying to me, like, oh, I feel like I just have to keep humbling myself. And I I don't know, I guess it is true. We kind of fall into our typical roles, and you're we can derive security from that too, right? right? Like, yeah. I'm always the helper, or right. I'm always the receiver. Right. Exactly. That's so interesting. I think I've 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 definitely fallen into that as well. In, yeah. In community, yeah. Which one do you think you've kind of oscillated most towards? I think that, um, 
I mean, I'm an oldest child, co-eldest of six. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a twin brother, if anyone's curious Which what co-eldest is. Which is so crazy because I've never met your twin brother. Yeah. So I know he exists kind of intellectually, <laughs> but I don't know physically that that has not been confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't look too similar. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I think naturally I, I, I took on some of that sort of... Um, maternal role almost I guess with my younger siblings the the youngest is 12 years younger than me and and I think naturally yeah maybe naturally I take on other people's um emotions and struggles Mm -hmm. and and things like that so so I think it's been natural for me to want to feel in that helping role and I think that um that's yeah less of a practical thing and more of an emotional thing um but I think that that can sometimes be a way of protecting yourself from having to depend on other people. And, and for me with the table, um, it took me a long time to feel uh, able to be comfortable and vulnerable uh, because, because of that, because <laughs> I was used to being in, a, in a, a place of trying to give and I maybe didn't, I didn't, I didn't know exactly how to do that. But it, there was, you know, one year where I really felt like God was giving me the word receive. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a year of, I was really trying to heal from some things. And uh, and that was like this this major spiritual growth of saying like, I'm not going to um, feel that I have to earn God's love, like even through other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just being willing to receive first and then give out of that place of receiving rather than thinking, okay, what can I do to make myself like acceptable? And I feel like that was where things really shifted with feeling um, more part of this church community was not, not worrying constantly, like, am I doing enough? Mm. Am I acceptable? Um, But saying, no, I can be a gift just (laughs) in being who I am. And, and that, that is like how we start with God is receiving from him. So I feel like that really changed both my relationship with God as well as with community. That's so interesting. But it was hard. It was hard at first. It was humbling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you're, un- you're unaccustomed to being in that place mm-hmm. of being of need of need. Mm-hmm. Really. And, and thinking, you know, if, if other people are not receiving from me, do I have value? Do I have purpose? Do people want me? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think many of us struggle with feeling that secretly. Yeah. If, if things fall apart and I can't hold everything together, am I still going to matter? Will people still be there? Right. Well, it becomes your identity too, mm-hmm. right? Like this is how I know who I am because mm-hmm. I always function in these roles. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm not functioning in those roles, then who am I? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I knew it was so good <laughs> to talk to you about this. I'm so <laughs> So, um, I mean, obviously one of the reasons why, uh, I wanted to talk to you about sacrificial fellowship is you live in community. That's mm-hmm. your normal mode of being. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of us at the table know about Libri, but maybe you could kind of fill us in on <laughs> what Libri is. Uh, it's so funny. So uh, these questions about Libri, I mean, I feel like there's always a short version right, right, of the right. answer and a long version. So yeah. I have to sort of flip through my brain and think, okay, what, what length of answer do I give? Um, but Libri is, is, uh, it's called a fellowship. So the, the word community is not chosen on purpose because um, there are people who live and work there like me and, and I live and work with another family there, Clark and Julia and their two kids. Um, and then we have people who are passing through. So it's not like a stable community where people are, everybody is there all the time. Um, so those who are, com- so although those of us who work there are Christians, um, 
those who are coming through can have any background, um, belief, no belief, um, any <laughs> kind of belief, and any age, um, any stage in their life. So uh, they can stay for however long they want within our set terms. Um, and they, they come to um, sometimes just to have an experience of community, sometimes to hopefully everyone's grappling with questions around faith and um, maybe they're not even there yet, but they have questions about identity, um, relationships, but they're, yeah, they're people who are asking questions, often people in a season of transition, maybe they're, mm -hmm. they're post-college or, um, have just left a job or a relationship. Um, and, and so, yeah, we get people who come for all different kinds of reasons. Uh, and, and it's a, it's a, it's a big mix of people. Um, and that this was started in, in the fifties in Switzerland by Francis and Edith Schaefer. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's an international organization and they, they just started opening their home to people. It wasn't like they planned this and just mm. being open to the spirits leading, um, of, of what God was doing in, in people showing up at their doorstep, yeah. essentially coming from surrounding, uh, like, you know, skiing towns That's and so their children's university and, and stuff. So, um, yeah, so it was very organic in that way, but now it's uh, it's in different countries, and we're the Canadian branch on Vancouver Island. And so people come to study, but they also, there's kind of a way of life that mm -hmm. they have. Can you want to talk about that, kind of how your days kind yeah. of look? So for us, it's really important that um, Libri is pretty ordinary. <laughs> it's not, we call it, say, it's not a mountaintop experience. So we have the day split between work and study. Um, so study is self-directed. We don't have a set course of study. We do have public, well, what were public lectures until COVID yeah, on Friday yeah, nights yeah. Uh, that anyone can come to from the community. Um, but otherwise, people are mostly studying on their own. Um, so we help them figure out, you know, what questions they might have and what they want to dig into and um, and guide them in that. But they're they're welcome to to study what they want. And then the other half of the day is spent doing chores. Um, so it can be chopping wood, washing dishes, uh, cleaning the toilets. Yeah. Um, I remember that my first job when I came to Libri was uh, making bouquets of flowers that I picked outside. And Whoa. I thought, this is a job? And I, my mind was blown. I was so, I was so, so excited. That's so amazing. <laughs> um, and then, and then at lunchtime we have a, what we call lunch discussion where someone will bring a question that they're thinking about and it can be anything or topic. Mm -hmm. Um, anything from can men and women be friends <laughs> to uh, why is their suffering um, if God is good. So we go all over the place with those things, but it's a chance to really hear from each other and, um, and try and try and hear the person too, not just the question. So mm -hmm. we say like, we, we often just, we don't really often end with an answer, but we've opened up the question more. Um, so I really enjoy that kind of learning from different people too. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's this combination of like conversation, study, but then also working side by side, like mm -hmm. making meals, cleaning floors, cleaning mm -hmm. bathrooms, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Plus, you're you know you're worshiping community, like you pray yeah. and stuff together. So yeah. it's kind of it really kind of involves all parts of life. Mm -hmm. But then for you, you're kind of the con constant, you know, like mm -hmm. everybody else is sort of passing through, but yeah. you and Clark and Julia and their family. Are kind of a constant so what is that experience like for you kind of having people sort of mm -hmm. come and go come and go yeah I mean there's there's both a gift and a huge challenge in that like so many things yeah. um and and when I 
when I first started thinking about working for Libri, I remember making these pro cons lists like I like to do. Um, but I think, you know, I really felt like Libri was going to challenge me to grow in the ways that I wanted to. And I feel like that's important with anything that's our vocation is, is that it's not just easy, but it's not hard in a way that's not productive. <laughs> and so I felt like Libri was going to help me grow in the, in the way that God was calling me to. And, and I think one of those things is letting go. I think that I, I still do, but I especially even more used to struggle with um, being okay with relationships just being for a period of time. Uh, so to say it is good, even yeah. when it's short, yeah. um, and, and to say like, okay, I'm giving this person over to God, um, that's very hard sometimes, especially when you see someone who's really struggling sure. to be like, I don't, I can't, I can't go with them. I can't yeah. rescue them. I don't have the capacity to even keep in touch with every person. Yeah. Um, cause that would be your sort of quote unquote natural tendency is to, to kind yeah. of stick with that person for the long right. term and to feel like I have some, you know, I have some responsibility, but yeah. you know, I have those, those kind of, um, what's it called? Messiah complex <laughs> tendencies. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> not to actually, you know, not, but just to, just to, just to take on more than I really should in, in, in thinking that I can be the one to save somebody. And so the fact that people sometimes are only there for a couple of days, um, kind of drills that home in, into you that, that, yeah, these people came with God's, in, in God's provision and they're going out yeah. that way too. And we only have them for a short time. And most of them, we, you know, the ones who are, you know, really struggling, like we don't hear the end of their stories. Some we do, but, yeah. but you know, like, so we, so we just get to see them for a brief moment. So for me, I think it's been, yeah, just a, a good experience of learning to let go and to say like, this is a, a brief moment um, that I can celebrate and be present in, but then, then there's some, I, I, I think about this metaphor of a beach, um, <laughs> where, you know, the tides sweep things up and yeah. it's beautiful in that way. And then the tides come back in and they sweep things away yeah. and it looks like something different. And, and so, you know, there's times where I do feel very burdened for people, but then at that point, that's all I can do is just pray for them, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and God knows, but yeah, and then and then I think, I, I do think that it is a challenging and sometimes exhausting thing to have that constant turnover. So that's the reality. Sure. I think, I think we feel that even being in Victoria, you know, it's a transient city, and yeah, um, it's hard to it's hard to hold on to relationships here too. Yeah, I mean, I know we we often talk about that as a staff at the tables that you're constantly saying goodbye to people mm-hmm. and then getting ready to welcome new people. Mm-hmm. And I found, yeah, the longer you're at the table, that that's hard to keep doing and to keep I mean it's always sad to say goodbye to friends but then to take that risk of welcoming new people and say okay I'm gonna commit to you in friendship and and be intentional and get to know you and just repeat that process over and over Mm -hmm. again it's hard to Mm -hmm. it's hard to always do yeah and I think the thing that's different with with that is that you know with with our students I don't have the same expectation that they'll provide me with friendship you know it's 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 enjoyable um but I think but I, I guess, again, this relates to this idea of, like, what are we expecting the community to fill in us? And and is that, like, our only source of fulfillment, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because that, because anything, anything can be lost, any relationship can be lost, even the ones that we think are super secure and foundational. Um, so really, like, when we have these, these smaller, <laughs> like, this, this constant turnover with our students, 
that's that's just like a microcosm of the larger reality. Yeah. And I think COVID has also kind of shown us that. Um, that that's that's the reality all the time that that you know the things that we think are so secure and stable can be lost but now we're we're it's kind of hit home more yeah well and i think it's interesting because i feel like i've learned a lot about that this last year because i think like you you know i'm an older child very loyal i tend to stick with people and it's very hard for me to let go and kind of just entrust people to Mm -hmm. god as you say Mm -hmm. um and i think I, I've also been learning a bit this year about it's it's okay to kind of release people and just trust that God will care for them and, you know, maybe they'll circle back around one day. Um, but that's a very difficult thing for me to do. But it has been a good learning experience because I think it has increased my dependency on God to Mm. know the end of that story. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm releasing this person to the Lord and just entrusting that he's caring for them far better than I ever could, then I know that he knows the end of whatever transpires that I don't get to see. Exactly. Um, and that's been a really good learning for me this year. Not, not easy because I think I've often guilted myself or like, well, you you got to stick in there with people. you got to stay mm-hmm. committed, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but to see that actually releasing people to God can be a virtue in and of itself. Yeah. And that, like, holding them in prayer and not always stepping in to try to fill that need yourself. Exactly. But knowing that God will fill the need exactly. is actually better. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's what so much of my, my work around my own relationship to community has been about this kind of thing of um, trying to fill other people's needs or tr- and trying to use other people to fill my needs. And that's mm. like where a lot of the God's work has been in my life, I think. Um, that's something that Henry Nowen talks a lot about is, is that that's not what community is. That's not what hospitality is, is, is trying you know desperately to fill yeah. someone else's emptiness or to use them to fill yours, um, yeah. which I still constantly fall into. Definitely. Uh, it's easy to do, but that you're, what you're really doing is creating space for someone else to meet with God. Um, and, and for you hopefully too. Yeah. Uh, so, so you're kind of coming into this space together. Um, but I think that space is, is frightening to us sometimes. I think space is frightening. I think that it can be threatening because it makes you feel insecure, Mm -hmm. but I think also having that attachment to people can seem godly, Mm -hmm. you know, like even in you, as you were saying, like we don't call it a community, we call it a fellowship. And that there's a different, there's a difference between those two terms, you know, like going to Regent, Regent really drilled in me, like the goodness of community, the importance of community. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a very tight knit church community as a child. And so I think in a way, community itself has almost become an idol to me as like the ultimate virtue. Like this is the way Christ wanted us to live. Right. You know, Jonathan was talking in his sermon about Acts 2 and, you know, that kind of idyllic vision of they shared everything they had in common and, and, and they even, you know, shared properties and gave away things. He said, but obviously they met in homes, so some people still had to have private right. ownership too. Right. <laughs> and I think I, I don't know, I think somewhere along the way, I got the idea that there is this ultimate goal of, of just 
total submission mm. to a community. Mm. But that's not what the gospel is. Like the gospel calls for us to totally submit to Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's very different than submitting to people. Yeah. Even church people, even like Christian people. Mm -hmm. But that's not what we're called to. We're called to submit to Christ. And I think, um, I think that's been an important learning for me and something I'm obviously still trying to figure <laughs> out is that, yeah, we, we belong to each other, but for our first allegiance is to Christ right. first. Right. right. And yeah. And so we're a part of Christ's body. <laughs> like we're not, we're not kind of making up our own, our own thing. And, yeah. and I think, I think the thread that I, I see here is, um, that we don't come into community uh, doing it our way, essentially. So I think Jesus challenges us in the ways that are sort of natural in our flesh to, yeah. like, you know, for the, those who have a tendency um, to want to save everybody, he's going to challenge those people that they're not the savior. Mm -hmm. And for those who have a tendency um, to, to want to uh, just kind of take from people, he's going to, yeah he's going to challenge those people to give and, and all of us on both, both counts, I think. Um, but so I think that's, you know, we, we talked uh, Libri on Friday over zoom on about boundaries, Jesus and boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, Jesus is just such a good example of these things because he will respond even when he's tired to people's needs. But then there's also times where he says, Nope, yeah. <laughs> and he go, you know, he goes away or he says, we're going on to another village. Yeah, um, I want to go pray. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me so, alone. So I think that it's a really complicated thing where there's not a one size fits all in terms of what, what lessons you're going to learn in community, yeah. but you can be sure that you're going to be challenged in the, in, in the ways that, you know, you need to grow. So I think, I think we say like, okay, every person needs to do this thing in community. Well, that might not actually be where God is calling them to be stretched. Because right. we, yeah, because like you say, we might look at the person who's like always giving and say, that's like the model. I <laughs> think maybe as Christian yeah. women, we feel this especially. Well, the looks, model is like cooking all the casseroles and staying up late. It you looks know. virtuous, right? Yeah. 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 And I think a, a, a lesson that I learned kind of in the last few years was, yeah, that looks very virtuous. It's also exhausting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think for myself, I felt like I'd gotten to this place where I was just giving, giving, giving. And it's also a question of like, if, if only one person is ever giving, that's not providing opportunity to exactly. others to give either. Exactly. So yeah. not only am I exhausted from my efforts, but I'm not getting out of the way so that other people can mm -hmm. step up and have their own offering. Mm -hmm. I think you touched on something that's huge and been one of the the primary lessons that I've learned living in community is it's not Martha Stewart. <laughs> it's yeah. not hospitality is not Martha Stewart. Like it is, it's creating a place where um, other people also have something to give. And, and I think, so I think part of that is seeing who that person is and what God is calling them to grow in and give um, and encouraging those things. But I, you know, I have this <laughs> memory of when I was a student I've always had some show-offy tendencies, but, you know, I, you know, I like to bake and it was someone's birthday and I thought, okay, I'm going to bake them this like really nice cake. But there was a woman who was there who really, really wanted to, um, order, uh, a pastry from this bakery. Um, and, and I, I, at first I was kind of annoyed because I was like, well, I could make a cake and it could be awesome. <laughs> and why are we even like buying something from a bakery? <laughs> uh, but then I, I just realized you know, 
this woman really needs to do this. Like this is an important this thing. This is for her, her offering. Yeah, and mm. and so I so I just stepped aside and was like, yeah. okay, she needs. But you know, often I, I've I've wanted to have that attention for like how you know how I can do something or make something special and huh. and and recognizing that okay, this this person's gonna like help me with a meal and it might it might turn out kind of weird because of that, but that's what they need to do, you know? Like, yeah. it's it's hard to let go if, if you're kind of perfectionistic in certain ways, um, but saying, like, well, that's how people are, are going to grow, and that's yeah. and then and then people actually feel at home and welcome when they are giving something, not just when they're receiving something. Yeah, I mean, that makes me think of two things. It makes me think of Joseph and Mary going to the temple to make offering for Jesus, hmm. And it's, the scripture says they were so poor, mm. they had this very small offering of two, two doves, two yeah, birds, two um, which was very sort of pitiful, mm. like in terms of what Jews would give at the temple and Thanksgiving for a child. But, but the way that the text talks about it, they were doing an honorable thing. They're fulfilling the law. They're, mm. they're giving thanks to God for their son. And there was no kind of aspersion cast on that, no matter how small it was. Uh, and it makes me think of, you know, for us at the table, our identity has so long been having meals together in common mm-hmm. and everybody bringing something, right. whether it's just bread or um, dessert or maybe some of the main meal or whatever. And it makes me think of like, you know, especially downtown, we've often had people come in off the street and... Um, they haven't had things to give, but they're often the ones that are like doing dishes or putting out right. chairs or helping sweep up at the end of the night. And the sense of like every everyone has something to give. Mm-hmm. And if we are just say, let's if we are having leaders always cook the meal, clean up, we're standing in the way of somebody else being able to provide their own gift. And that that in itself gives gives honor to that person mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like with joseph and mary like the priest at the temple didn't look down on them because they were poor and had a small offering the priest right. looked at them and said yes you you have something valid to give right um and and i always loved that about our common meals was that there's a sense of dignity for everyone sat together is that we all had something to mm-hmm. contribute mm-hmm. um that's the ideal. It doesn't always turn out that way. <laughs> well, with a with a common meal, you know that that there's one of my favorite stories is is Jesus feeding the multitudes. I think there's different numbers depending on which story you're reading, but in both those stories, um, he's taking food that was already there that was offered to yeah. him. You know, the boy with the loaves and fishes. He he could have just made it out of nothing or rocks or whatever. Sure. But he, I think there's something important for those people about giving you know, that boy about being willing to give his food and, and, and that like, it could never be enough. What we do could never be enough. Um, so that's very obvious, but that Jesus still calls us to be in partnership with him and to offer what small things we do have. Yeah. He, uh, he honors those gifts that we have. Mm -hmm. You know, I even think about it like on a a financial scale, you know, we never think we're going to make our budget at the table, (laughs) you know, and every year we send out a plea before Christmas, like, well, if you can donate. And, um, you know, we're always pleasantly surprised this year because of COVID, we, we really didn't have Mm -hmm. big expectations Mm -hmm. and yet people gave and, um, people gave in surprising ways. People gave unique ways. People that don't even come to our church Mm. gave to us. And, um, it's just a reminder that, you know, everybody has something to offer and, 
and it is a it is a gift and a blessing and you know as god appreciates it you know we should acknowledge and appreciate it too yeah yeah, uh, and that's been similar actually for Labrie over this past year too. It's quite really amazing how God has provided for us because there's been a lot of periods where we haven't had any students and, and you know, Swiss Labrie that usually has like 30, 40 students has had like one student at wow. periods. And, and wow. so, but the international work that, you know, all together, the branches have had almost the same income as last year. Wow. Um, so people have, have really continued to give. And, and I think... Um, and so, yeah, like Labrie are part of the way that we operate or the way that we operate is through prayer. So we don't actually fundraise at all. Um, we're not against other people fundraising, but that's mm-hmm. just the way that that the work has always operated and wanting to show the people who come that we're dependent on God to provide everything. Um, that's part of like the witness to um, God's reality. So we don't. So, yeah, we don't do any fundraising or advertising for people to come or for money Um but, but yeah, to see that God can still provide despite that, um, it has been amazing, especially in a year like this. Um, and, and I think the, another thing that I've learned to just being on the other side of that, working in a, in a nonprofit is like, you can think like just giving a little bit doesn't matter. Like you should only give if you can give like thousands of dollars, yeah. but even the people who give like $20 a month, like we that's like really special because we know that they're thinking of us and that mm-hmm. it matters to them and and that they may not be able to do a lot but that's like the widows might you yeah. know yeah um, that's so fascinating to me about libri um that you guys don't advertise because i know you know my husband's worked in nonprofits and i've worked in nonprofits and that's the idea of fundraising is very big mm-hmm. like that's a very popular thing and I kind of love that you guys <laughs> go against the grain in that sense mm-hmm. of like, no, we're really going to trust in God and we're going to trust in him so much that we're not going to do all of that mm-hmm. fundraising call and campaigns and writing letters and all that sort of thing. That's mm-hmm. really incredible. It's kind of like Elijah like dumping water on the altar or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, okay, let's make it really hard for ourselves. It's pretty extreme. <laughs> but, but, you know, like that, and, and, and again, like I said, it's not that everyone's called to that way of operating at all, but I think that, that because we have people coming who, um, they join us in prayer, like Monday is our day of prayer specifically, and we pray for the needs of our work and the other branches, and they get to see how God answers those prayers, like, English Libri over this past year has been doing a major fire renovation. They have this manor house that's hundreds of years old. It's yeah. beautiful. It's like a Jane Austen novel. Mm. Um, but it's a lot of work to upkeep. And they had someone come just as COVID was hitting and say, you need to do like a major overhaul for this house. It's like mm. 80,000 pounds or whatever to wow. to do this work. And so they had to, you know, replace doors and but the ways that, first of all, that they were able to be closed for this long period because of COVID to do this work yeah. was one strange provision, but also then all these donations that had come in from all over the world. And then like they had a student who was a, a specialist in, in doing fire door installation. Like wh- when are you going to get a student who knows how to do that? <laughs> so, so just, you know, amazing, random, supposedly random things like that. Yeah. Uh, and then they got like a whole bunch of Victorian doors that they could use you know i don't know like i don't know if it was cheap or free somewhere that they could just just like really really cool stuff so you get to see that and you know i think that's the way i grew up too because we grew up without a lot of money and um and i remember like moments where we would pray and like one time when 
you know, my dad was praying with my brother for, for money and someone dropped off an envelope like while he was praying in our wow. mailbox. So, so maybe that's natural to me in some ways, but, but it, it does. I have so many moments I can think of where I'm like, yeah, where God provided. God made a um, way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, part of me is in awe of that and part of me thinks, wow, I could never because <laughs> I know that's definitely been a struggle for me. Um, this is so, so good, Liz. I knew conversation with you would be so fruitful. Um, so I guess two more questions is, so you were living in community in Libri. Mm-hmm. What are some of the common struggles that you experience, you know, as people are kind of passing through, mm-hmm. what's some of the themes that you find as a community that you're kind of revisiting over mm-hmm. and over in, in terms of life together and how you have fellowship together? Yeah, I mean, I think I've talked about some of the the challenges. Um, I think that, so you're asking about like kind of what does it look like to do life together? or, or like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, because you guys, as you say, like, you know, you and Clark and Julia are kind of the culture setters, Mm -hmm. you know, as people come into your midst, you're kind of saying, okay, this is how we function. This is what our day looks like. This is our common responsibility to each other. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the common roadblocks that, that people sort of stumble over? Yeah. I mean, when I say people, I mean myself as much as anyone else. So (laughs) I think, I think I'll say like two things how difficult other people are and how difficult you are. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, so I think that, like, that's the reality is there are people that you're just not going to mesh with well and are going to trigger you and set you off for whatever reason. Cause you knew someone like them in the past or just cause they're annoying or cause you're annoying. Like <laughs> that there's just, there's going to be personality clashes and I've seen it a million times and experienced it a million times. Yeah. There's someone who just yeah rubs you the wrong way and that that's when the rubber hits the road and, and, um, yeah, like, uh, you know, I, I have memories of like, you know, when it's been, oh, this really idyllic community experience. And then someone comes in who blows everyone out of the water. And, and then like it's all the talk of, of how, how nice it is to sit around a fire together, you know, yeah. it's just like gone out the window because the, yeah, because you really have, you actually have to practice love. Um, and, and I've been there many times too. And I think, um, I, I remember one student who was particularly difficult for me and I I was just talking to Clark like and saying I don't I don't think I can love him and he mm. was like well then you have to love him with Jesus's love <laughs> you yeah. don't have anything you know so I think um that's that's really challenging that that and because we're not we're not like choosing which people are going to come yeah <laughs> and sometimes people come who you know have like very deep brokenness as do we all but just more maybe more evident than some people yeah. and so so yeah so I think that that constantly challenges this idea that we can create this community that's sort of insulated from those things um so so that's gonna be a challenge and then I think um yeah like how how difficult we are I think I remember even from my first term at Libri as a student realizing just how petty I was, mm. how quickly I got annoyed at like tiny irritations and sometimes still do definitely still do. Um, and, and just like, you know, even if I was hiding it, I was like flying off the handle internally being like, how can someone like wash dishes that way? How can you, know, why do they talk that way at lunch? Why do they do, why do they cheer you? Their, you know, like just, just like minor irritations, but just you will run into yourself in community. And I think, um, 
that is like that's how god convicts us so often because I, like i lived by myself for before i came to libri for a year um and like i had no roommates or anything my own apartment and like there were things that were like amazing about that because you had to, like you could do whatever you want um no accountability but that's also the problem and yeah. i think that uh I thought that I was a better person when I lived alone. <laughs> I'm sure parenting must be similar. Like oh, you, definitely, for sure. You, well, you, I mean, what you're describing is other people become a mirror. Yeah. Right? That kind of, they hold up a mirror in front of us that we have to see our own weakness reflected. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's really hard because it's much easier to point a finger at the people we live in community with or at my children or my spouse and say, well, you're the problem. It's surely not me. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's the thing I'm grateful for and also find frustrating still. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to see those things about myself. Um, but I think, yeah, God has used that so many times. Um, and I mean, it's especially difficult when you're in a position of leadership and someone criticizes you, you know, yes. like you want to be, there's a part of you that wants to be defensive and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. And, and sometimes that may even be true, but to actually sit with that and be like, okay, what's the valid point that they might be making here yeah. and, and try to receive that. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's a good growth process. Well, and what I admire about you, Liz, is you always see opportunity for reflection and for God to speak in those moments. And that's something I've always appreciated about you being your friend is that you're always open to say, like, what does God have to teach me in this moment? And I, I, I honestly, that's rare. Like I know for myself, that's not always the first place I want to go. You know, I tend to want to problem solve and say, well, what can we change about the situation? But instead for the first instinct to be, okay, well, what, like, Lord, what are you showing me? What needs to change about me hmm. in this situation? Hmm. Um, Cause I know for me, my expectation is often, well, this person, if we could just solve their issue, <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. we could all live together peacefully yeah. and it would be great. Yeah. And I, and I, I want to say like, I totally do the same thing. <laughs> what you see on the outside, if I'm surprised you see that, but I'm glad you do. But I mean, I, I, that's like a huge way I've been challenged too, is often someone comes in and I'm like, okay, they need this, this, and this. And if we can just get them to realize these things, mm-hmm. but often like the thing that changes someone is something I did not, I would not have expected at all. Like, you know, a certain relationship or working in the garden or like, you know, yeah. some interaction with one of the kids, like, uh, so it's just helped me to see that I don't know exactly what another person needs. And, yeah. and then like that person can be Jesus to me in some way, even if it's like the way I'm convicting how, you know, how frustrated yeah. I get with him. Um, so I think that that's sort of, it's not that like, you know, strategies are inherently bad or anything like that, but just, just recognizing. And then, yeah. So recognizing like every, every, so what we pray for is God will bring the right people at the right time and keep the wrong people away. (laughs) And and it's important. That's important, I think. And, and so that, that means like, if we really believe that God is answering that prayer, that each person is there for a reason, no matter how difficult they are. Um, and that, that reason affects like all of us. So they're, they're like a gift for me too. Mm. Um, so, so, I mean, that's not always easy to keep in mind, <laughs> but there's something, there's something that we can be learning, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. Cause you know, the more I listen to you, the more I think that's sort of how Jacob and I try to approach our parenting. Mm. Cause we cannot solve 
our kids' issues, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether we're worried about their behavior or their faith or their friend life or whatever. We, we don't have control over all of those things, even though we have a lot of control in their life as their parents. We, we don't, we cannot force those things to be as we would wish. Mm-hmm. And so, so often, you know, our prayer is just, well, Lord, <laughs> here you go. Like, yeah. do your best, whatever you can do. And, and that's really what you're describing is just entrusting that person to the Lord mm-hmm. and entrusting yourself to God too and hoping mm-hmm. that he will be present to them and to you in the ways that you both need and that somehow mm-hmm. in that ministry things will get sorted out as they need to be. Yeah. And I think an important part of that too is is recognizing that it is a community effort. <laughs> it's not yeah. just me trying to rescue someone um, yeah. or you trying to, you know, you trying to fix your kids' lives. Like, I, I think that we've talked about this a lot at Libri is just like how much better we carry someone when we're doing it as a group, because, you know, especially if it's someone who has quite a lot of needs, you know, like no one person can, can carry all of that. So and I see that in our church community too, um, yeah. how important that is to, to have that. And I, I really feel for people who don't have that at all. Um, but, but yeah, just that, I guess whatever they say takes a village. <laughs> yeah, it does take a village, but I think it's also just working out how do we how do we love each other hmm. in the way that Christ would want us to. Not not in a human way, not in a Martha Stewart way, not in a social worker, let me fix all your problems kind of hmm. way. How can I love you faithfully, loyally, but then also releasing you to God because ultimately yeah. he's going to love you better than I can. And I know for me, you know, my response to people who maybe exhibit need is I feel guilty all the time that like, oh, I'm I'm not in touch enough or I'm not checking in enough or I'm not um, doing enough to help you. Mm -hmm. But if I, you know, going back to that Philippians too, if I'm secure in Christ, Mm -hmm. my ultimate prayer for that person is that they too would be secure in Christ. So I'm, I don't want to leave you to drown, but I also want to recognize that I can only give you so much right. and that the ultimate giver and fulfiller of your needs is Jesus. Right. That's so good, Anna. And I think with that metaphor of, about, about drowning, you know, like you try to save someone who's freaking out yeah. and, and starting to go down, they can just drag you down too. Definitely. So I think, you know, it's, I don't know, what's Jesus in this metaphor? <laughs> like a life, a life, a life preserver. A life preserver, you know? <laughs> like... You know, that's so, so I think we have to be careful about doing that. And this definitely happened to me where I've got, you know, burnt out from trying yeah. to, to take on too much in that way. But, but, but yeah, that, that balance. So again, talking about Jesus, you know, Jesus and boundaries, um, Clark was talking on Friday just about how it's this secure identity that Jesus has and yeah. who he is and knowing what his mission is that allows him to say no and to say yes at the right time. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not him just responding to everybody else's needs. It's having, having a clear sense of where is God calling me yeah. at this time to respond. And that's something I still have a long way to grow in because, you know, like I know we talk about this a lot in church, but um, we can see like every, every need as, as a call for us to respond and it's yes. not necessarily. Well, and I think in COVID, at least for me, that's become even more apparent mm-hmm. as I, as I have single friends who are living alone mm-hmm. and I'm aware of what they're struggling with and I'm limited. I can't like, yeah. I can go for a walk with you, but I can't have a meal with you, Yeah, you know? And so in a sense, 
it's it's really driven me more and more to prayer because yeah. of the limitations that are imposed upon us right now. Yeah. And we both have the experience of having <laughs> having close American friends, you know. Yes. And, and it's it's hard to be so far away, yeah. you know, and I would I was planning to go and visit a number of close friends over the past year that I haven't been able to do and and to know like some of them are struggling. Yeah. If that dis like the literal distance feels even more distant because yeah. of everything else and 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 so it's it's been yeah it's been really challenging to say okay <laughs> that person is with God like I you yeah yeah even if I were physically there I couldn't I couldn't rescue them yeah and and really I think what this time has taught us is that that is an illusion the idea that yeah. if I just give more be more show up more right that I will somehow make that person happy. Right. No. <laughs> that's not true. Jesus is the is the only one that can do all of those things and so our job is just just hold people before the Lord. Exactly, yeah. And let that happen. Yeah. Yeah. I could talk for a lot longer. Me too. <laughs> Me too. So Neither of us have a problem with talking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Liz. This has been awesome. This is a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, B.C. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by the Preparation EP, written and arranged by Coco Relieve, and can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca.